0: It's time for ROTD Weekend. My kids went back to school this week, and let me say the lead-up was fairly predictable. They both had summer reading assignments that they didn't start until, of course, a few days before classes started, and they were in a panic, even though I'd been telling them all summer that they needed to get it done. I told them they'd enjoy their books more if they had time to read them, that they'd be better prepared for any like discussions or essays or anything like that if they were able to read them ahead of time calmly, and then once they were done, they'd be able to relax and enjoy their rest of summer vacation knowing that wasn't hanging over their heads. But of course not. The last days before school started were spent in this crazy stressful thing trying to finish off their books. And you know, I have all this disdain for their procrastination for not doing what I know is best for them, what they know is best for them. But I also know that I am the same way about very many things. Things that I know if I do my life will be better. Like if I go grocery shopping on the weekend, then my actual week will start start off better. And I know that if I exercise first thing in the morning, then I am more likely to do it instead of putting it off all day until it's the end of the day and I'm too exhausted to think about it. And yet I find myself running madly around the grocery store Monday before Caroline way more often than I find myself running around the block in the mornings. Similarly, I am not the kind of person who ever makes beans from dry. Stick with me here. I promise it's related and And, you know, I had to bring this back to food somehow, right? So I was told a few weeks ago by a good cooking, food-loving friend of mine that if I started beans from dry and did that whole soaking and cooking them with aromatics and then freezing them or, you know, like soaking them overnight the night before, cooking them during the day so that I could have them in dinner that night, I've been told that all of my bean dishes will taste better and that I might even like beans more than I do, that I'd enjoy them instead of them just being this, like, convenient open can drain, throw them in there for extra healthiness, maybe they will actually taste good in my food. And so I gave it a try. I got myself some dried red kidney beans because I'd read that they are much better when you cook them yourself as compared to the can. And I got some heirloom calypso beans. My thinking was that maybe if I was cooking special beans, the kind that don't even come in cans, I will be swayed to this dark art of cooking your own dry beans, you know? So I got the beans. I soaked them overnight. I cooked them up. They were really, really good. The kidney beans were like not as weirdly red and smeary as the canned ones. And I definitely liked them more than I usually do. And the calypsos were really interesting. They had like a comforting potato flavor and this really creamy texture. I loved them actually. And I used some of both kinds on the days that I cooked them. And then I froze them in little bags and had them in the freezer. And I have since used them all up. I really, really like them. But here's the thing. This past week, as I thought about my meal plan for the week ahead, I'm sitting there with my pen and paper, and one of the recipes that I was thinking about doing called for beans. I thought, oh, I should probably cook some more of those dried beans. And then I thought, nah. And I wrote canned kidney beans on my grocery list. So, see, I understand why my kids didn't get started on their reading earlier in the summer, even though they know that it'll be better for them, they'd enjoy it more. All of that sometimes If you don't want to do something, you just don't want to do it. And so, of course, on the evening before school started, when I reminded my kids that they still needed to label their school supplies, get all their stuff ready for school, the response I got was, Mom, can you help me label my stuff? I still have to read the book. And I said yes, and I helped them because I do understand. That's what moms do, right? We help when our kids get overwhelmed, and we help when they just don't want to do something quite often, which gave me an idea. So when I was all excited about all that bean cooking, I had agreed with my team that I would retest a bunch of the bean recipes on one of our websites. And after all of this I've decided that I don't really want to do it. I'm not sure why. I just really don't like cooking beans. And the idea of doing a whole bunch of testing sounds awful. But I know somebody who does like cooking beans and who loves eating beans and who loves testing recipes. And so this is the message that I texted out yesterday. Mom. I have to test all these bean recipes. Any chance you have time to do it? And she said yes. So stay tuned because you will definitely be getting some mom-tested bean recipes on this podcast soon. And, well, I don't really want the moral of the story to be if you don't want to do something, don't do it because mom will. So instead, let's go with how about we cut ourselves and others some slack. We don't need to beat ourselves up about not making it for that calm grocery trip, on the weekend, or for not reading that book earlier in the summer, things are going to be okay, and probably somebody who loves us will be there to help us out when we really need it. And if not, canned beans aren't that bad after all. And now, right on theme, I'm going to admit that this back-to-school crunch has been crazy, and I did not record a new interview for this episode, but I have an interview from the way, way back time machine of my podcasting days that seems just right for this situation. Today, I'm sharing with you my conversation with Sally Kazemchuk of Real Mom Nutrition, the blog that she started back in 2009. Sally is a registered dietitian and former picky eater, so she has a lot to say about feeding our kids and feeding ourselves. Great topics for this busy back-to-school time of year, right? And Sally also has a no-stress dinner planner to talk to us about, and I know that will help many of us out as we launch into this crazy school year, right? And now, here is my conversation with Sally Kazemchuk. How's it going? Great. Thanks for having me on your show. Thanks for being on. Now, I'm super excited because you have just released a new dinner planner. Can you tell us about it?
1: Sure. I had a blog reader reach out to me and just tell me like how painstaking planning dinner was. And she said something along the lines of, I wish I could just be okay with having tacos every week or not feeling like I had to have like seven perfect dinners every week. And I thought, I hate that people feel this way, that they have all this pressure to have this this perfect plan, follow it to the letter, you know, every day of the week. So I thought, what if I created some kind of planning system that allowed people to build in those nights where you're like, you know what, everything just blew up. I need to pull a freezer out or pizza out of the freezer or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I created something called the no stress dinner planner. And it basically, one of the testers, I tested it with a few of my readers. And one of the testers said, it connects the invisible dots of meal planning. And I loved that because basically it pulls together, the recipes your family like. So it, it takes you through a step of brainstorming all of the recipes that our families love. And sometimes we forget that when it's five o'clock and we're like, what's for dinner? It's like our minds go blank, like, mm-hmm. gosh, what does my family even like to eat? <laughs> so it takes you through the step of brainstorming all those recipes in different categories that your family likes. It takes you through the step of every week, looking at your calendar, what's going on this week? Can I even pull off you know, a pot roast in the oven on Tuesday when we have You know whatever it is, Mm -hmm. and then pulling together then what you already have because food waste is such a huge issue, and people spend so much money on food. When I don't know about you, but I'll Mm -hmm. get home from the store with this big grocery bill, and I can't barely close my freezer because I have so much food already in there. So Mm -hmm. it kind of takes all of those and puts them into one plan so that you can look at what you have already, what your family likes to eat, and what your week is like, so you can plan around that. And I'm just really excited about it. It's available in a PDF, but also as a printed booklet. But it is like a pen and paper system because that's how I plan. So Mm -hmm. I am like a pen and paper person. I am not an app person. Um, And I like to have it sort of sketched out. My grocery list, my meal plan, all kind of in one. So I can take it to the store, put it on, post it on the bulletin board in the kitchen. And um, that's kind of how I operate. So that's the gist of it.
0: I love it. So I want to make sure we tell people where they can get it before we forget. So your site is Real Mom Nutrition? Yes. And is that where they go?
1: Yes. You can go to realmomnutrition.com backslash no stress dinner planner.
0: Okay, wonderful. So okay, I have lots of questions about this. I am also pen and paper. I have tried to I've tried to like even put meal plans on my computer to like be able to like in a folder and be able to reuse them like oh this is already done for me I'll just go in and find and then I never do or I I find myself opening it and looking at it and then writing on paper like it, it just doesn't like get into my head unless I have it on paper so I love that about it and so what the system is doing is it's like an ongoing tracking. Is that the idea? Ongoing tracking of what's in your fridge, what's what your family's liking, and then you pull. I don't want to give away too much because people have to okay. get it, to see it, <laughs> and then and then you sort of pull those threads together to create the plan. Is it a weekly yep. plan that people are creating from it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's sort of like a, I'd say maybe 30 to 45 minute investment upfront and brainstorming all these recipes your family likes, looking at what you have, kind of taking an inventory of your fridge, freezer, and pantry. And then each week I spend probably 10 minutes making my meal plan for the week, which is just my dinner plan. I focused on dinners because I do feel like that's the most stressful meal Mm -hmm. um, for people to plan. And so I take about 10 minutes to plan out my week's dinners and my grocery list. So Mm -hmm. once you kind Of have those pieces in place, then it doesn't take much time at all. But, you know, circling back to something you just said, which I think is really important, you said, you know, wouldn't it be nice to sort of have this done for you thing that you can just, you know, reuse and slot in? And I think that's where a lot of meal plans fail people Mm -hmm. is that they think, you know, so many people come to me and they're like, just tell me what to eat. Just give me a plan for the week. And, and I say to them, I have no idea what you like to eat, what your week is like. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the dinners we had last week, probably won't work this week because our, our week is different and Mm -hmm. no, no Monday is the same every month and no family has the exact same, you know, spring as they have fall, just things are so different. And so, you know, I just want people to know that if you've tried meal planning in the past and it's kind of not worked for you. It might not be because it's you. It's not that you're not organized or capable of doing it. It's probably just that the system didn't work for your family, how you eat, what you have, what kind of schedule you have.
0: Yeah, I totally hear that. I feel like, you know, things like the slow cooker has never resonated with me. There's something about, I guess, Instant Pot. I'm all over the Instant Pot. So if I think about that, it's something about having to think, or start it six hours ahead that I'm just not, I'm not there. That's not where my brain is. But that really works for a lot of people. I have a lot of friends who like three or four days a week, they're putting food in the slow cooker before they head to work. And that is their perfect solution. So it's just different for everybody. And then the different for every week, I want to tell you this, this story. So this random thing happened last week where it was just my daughter and I at home, which almost never happens. And we had um, some uncooked chicken breasts in the fridge and not much else. And so it was just the two of us. And I said to her, why don't I just make some packets of ramen and cook some chicken in there and we'll just have ramen. And she loves, I mean, she's nine. She loves plain food. She loves ramen. So this was just her thing. And she said to me after, mom, can we have this every week? And I was like, no, no, we really, (laughs) we really can't. (laughs) We're not having, (laughs) like nobody else loves this the way that you do. And, and I mean, I'll of course do it for, but it's that really funny. Like there are just some days and some weeks where certain things are going to be perfect. And the very next week, it is just not going to work. And um, yeah, I love that. I love that that's taking into account in your planner. Now, I know that so you have a, a nutrition focus on your site, but also you think a lot about picky eaters. Do You have a picky eater in your family. Is that why? Or is it just something that you've always sort of known something about?
1: So I was a picky eater and and I was what they call now an extreme picky eater as a mm. child. You know, I was the queen of plain foods, you know, no condiments, no sauces. My mom made me a different dinner every night. I mean, I was terrible. Drove them up a wall probably. Oh. And then I became a registered dietitian and I had my own kids. And when I had my kids, I was bound and determined that my kids would not be as picky as I was because You know, what something I want parents to know is that it's hard being a picky eater. It's scary. It's embarrassing. You know, you go to people's houses and you're worried about what they're having for dinner. Mm -hmm. Somebody put something in front of you and you literally feel fear Mm -hmm. in, in having it in your mouth. So I just you have a lot of compassion for picky eaters. And I didn't want my kids to be as picky as I was because it's so hard. So there were definitely things that I started doing with them differently. And I mean, hats off to my mom. She's a saint, but I didn't make my kids a different meal for dinner. You know, we had, they had what we had. Mm-hmm. And I think that is my number one tip to parents, um, when, you know, having kids and starting to feed kids. And I just think, you know, serve them what you are eating as much as possible. It's okay to have like a safe food on the table. You know, mm-hmm. maybe it's, you're having tacos and they just want the tortilla and that's okay, but you're still just making tacos. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so that's kind of where my interest in picky eating um, grew from. And so, you know, having that past as a picky eater and then also have the experience of raising kids. So now they're, they're teenagers. And then talking to parents every day through Real Mom Nutrition about their own experiences with picky eating. I feel like I've just learned so much. I can see it from both both sides.
0: I really love so much of what you're saying. Thinking about it, we th- I think we often have thought about picky eating as, you know, I don't know, they're doing something wrong or, or the person is bad and we don't think enough about how emotionally hard that is on them and continues to be throughout their life. So thank you so much for talking about it in that way. And then the feeding them what you have. Do you take that? I really want to know more about this. Is this like spicy adult food, like just whatever, like you're just going there or is there some accommodation? How do you handle that?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think feeding children, you know, if I could get in a time machine and go back to when my kids were first starting solid foods, I would do a lot of things differently. You know, I wouldn't start them on the bland rice cereal. I would put more flavor in their food in the beginning. And that's something that that families are definitely encouraged to do more of caregivers mm. um, is to, you know, start start early with those seasonings. So that, so that kids are used to that, you know, it's hard to feed somebody bland, plain foods, and then all of a sudden expect them to like heavily seasoned foods. And I'm not talking salty. I'm, I mean, just, you know, those seasonings. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but yeah, definitely having compassion and accommodating kids without making a whole separate meal, because gosh, nobody has time to make, you know, Mm -hmm. many families barely have time to make one dinner. Like you don't have time to make multiple dinners. So Mm -hmm. yeah, if it's a really spicy dish, I might uh, leave out some of the spice and let people season it at the table. Mm -hmm. If it's a, if it's a food, you know, a lot of kids, especially, or a grown-up picky eaters, which, you know, that's fine too. They don't like a lot of combined foods, Mm -hmm. you know, like casseroles or, and, and I, and as a picky eater, as a former picky eater, I know that's because of all the textures Mm -hmm. in one bite. Sometimes that's a little unnerving Mm -hmm. (laughs) for a picky eater. Mm -hmm. And so deconstructing that and serving the tacos Mm -hmm. as like a build your own, or even if if you have a soup giving your kids the broth and letting them add the different things in if they want Mm -hmm. you know there's ways there are ways that you can accommodate them without Mm -hmm. making a whole other meal
0: yeah we do actually My, my as I said my daughter she's getting I mean she's getting a little bit better with this but there is a lot of the mixing of things that she doesn't like as much and so we do a lot of we do a lot of like rice bowl dinners because then everything is just kind of laid out cold fresh toppings and she can add and what typically happens is the rest of us are doing, you know, rice on the bottom and then some chicken and then the toppings and she's sort of doing it in different sections on her plate. And I think the nice thing about that is she doesn't feel called out. Like everybody is going along this line and putting things on their plate in whatever order they feel like. So she feels like she's doing what we're doing, even though her, her stuff is accommodated. So I really, I really like those ideas. Uh, do you have thoughts on like when a child does not like a food? Like do you encourage them? Do you, and I'm going to say I did a thing with my kids when they were younger that I probably regret. I don't know. I used to make them take two bites of everything at the first bite. Like, and, and I think I used to even say that they were allowed to spit them out, which caused some weird, like at restaurant situations, but they had to do it two times because I felt like the first was a shock and the second was like, now we're more used to it. But I don't, I feel like I traumatized them. <laughs> I'm not sure. So I would lo- I would love to hear what, what your thoughts are on like when they're encountering a food they think they don't like or a new food. What, what are some strategies? <laughs>
1: we used that. We had a one bite, I guess, rule with my first son. Um, You know, you have to take a bite, you know, one bite. And I love your, your allowance for spitting out. And I do recommend that actually, you know, kids can learn how to spit something out politely into a napkin. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you might get a funny look maybe from somebody at a restaurant, but I think that's a great way of encouraging kids to eat it without the fear of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to chew this and swallow it. Mm -hmm. Whereas, oh, I know if I put it in my mouth and I don't like it, I can politely spit it. Out. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that I say yes to spitting out. But with my when my second son came along, um, he's a very different personality from my first. And when we said you have to take a bite, I mean it was just like he was being sent to the gulag. Like it was yeah. just he reacted so badly, it turned into all this drama. And I thought, why am I doing this? This just isn't gonna work for him. So when parents ask me, should, should I make my kid take a bite or two? I say, you know, it depends on your kid and what their temperament is for some kids, it works great and it encourages them like, oh, I actually like this food. For other kids, they're going to dig their heels in and they're not going to want to come to the table because mom and dad are making me put things in my mouth. I don't want to. Mm -hmm. So I think it is just all individual. And, you know, I say I'm a recovering picky eater because there are foods I still do not like. And some of them are very common foods. Like I don't like fresh tomatoes and it is hundred percent texture. And, you know, I'm in my forties. I still don't like fresh Tomatoes, And if somebody sat me down with a bowl of fresh tomatoes and said, you have to take three bites or you have to finish your portion of tomatoes, it would be horrible. Wow. And so I feel like you do have to give some allowance to your child who genuinely doesn't like something. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you're serving that thing for your meal, just make sure there are some other things. You know, like if you make it a you know, a bowl that they can choose to put that in their bowl or not. Mm -hmm. And I just want to mention one thing real quick. And you were talking about your daughter with her bowl. And my my younger son is the exact same way, like with the stir fry. The rice is here and the chicken's here and the veggies are here. (laughs) And the rest of us have them all piled up. And and that's totally fine. But the (laughs) other night he said, I want to see what everything tastes like together. And he took his fork and he took a bite of every single thing in his bowl and put it in his mouth at one time. And he said, Oh, that's that's good. But what was awesome about that is that he decided to do it when he wanted to do it. It wasn't like, here's your mixed up food, deal with it. It was, I'm going to let you decide what you're comfortable with. And I just feel like that's so much better when parents give kids the space and the time Mm -hmm. to figure some of this stuff
0: out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. So what are your thoughts on, like, are you monitoring how much they're eating i feel like you know you're you're we're doing this thing where they can put on their plate what they want and you've got safe foods maybe but are you paying attention and saying okay no no you need to have some more vegetable even if you don't like today's vegetable or or is it kind of like they'll eat what they need and they'll get what they need so i'm curious about your thoughts on that
1: I think it's different with different ages and stages of kids. So I, um, when I was, you know, gosh, I made what I consider kind of a lot of mistakes. And when my kids were were little, I'm always saying, you know, just because I'm a registered dietitian doesn't mean that I have all of this figured out and know magically what to do. And I was definitely a mom who was like, you have to take three more bites of this and six more bites of that before mm-hmm. you can be done. And then just kind of like learning and reading and talking to different feeding experts, I realized. That's really not the way to do it because – your child has to feel like they can be trusted with their own food intake, and when you come along and say, you know, imagine again, imagine if you were at dinner and you're full, and your boyfriend, for instance, comes and says you have to take six more bites of chicken, you'd be like, I, I don't want to take, <laughs> like I'm, I'm full, like I'm mm-hmm. done, mm-hmm. Um, I really am un- uncomfortable with taking more bites, and and so when we do that with kids, it kind of messes with not only the trust between you and your child that they know what's best for them, mm-hmm. but it can also make them overeat when they're truly genuinely not hungry. And then that of course can have long-term effects if they're always made to eat more than they want um, or told to clean their plate Um, that can really interfere with, you know, listening to their hunger and fullness cues. That being said, I I think teenagers are whole, almost like all different ball of wax where (laughs) they're so busy and they get so distracted that sometimes I have to come along to my, especially my older son and say, have you eaten today? You know, what have you eaten? sure you're fueling your body. And we can have different conversations. He's 17, my older son, okay. we can have a lot different, more, you know, different conversations about food than I would have with like a seven year old, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, generally, I think kids can be trusted in most cases, you know, you're always going to have children that have, you know, issues with eating that, that may need, you know, more help or interventions. But for most children, they can be trusted to, to eat as much as they want to eat what they want, as long as you're providing, you know, a variety of foods, like lots of healthy foods, different foods, um, and giving them regular meals and snacks. I think for the most part, you should feel like my kid can come to the table and, and eat what they need.
0: I really, really love this. These tips are really wonderful. Sally, can you tell people where they can find you if they want to continue this conversation or just see more of your work? Where's the best place for them to go?
1: Sure, they can go to realmomnutrition.com and they can find me at Real Mom Nutrition on Facebook and Instagram
0: and Pinterest. One more time, the No Stress Dinner Planner, they can get that at realmomnutrition.com slash...
1: You know, and actually, I think I said it incorrectly last time. It's nutrition.com slash no uh, stress dinner planner with hyphens between the no stress dinner planner.
0: Okay, perfect. With hyphens. And that link will be in the show notes. So anybody who is trying to find it, they'll just be able to click from wherever they're listening. So Great. look for it there. Thank you so much, Sally.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Have a lot more empathy for the picky eaters in your life now and are cutting yourself some slack, more slack that I was talking about at the beginning. If there are things that you don't like, we can do this. I will put the link to Sally's No Stress Dinner Planner in the show notes for this podcast episode or you can find it over at Real Mom Nutrition. And now I get to do my favorite part of this show where I tell you what I've got going on in the kitchen and on the site. I love doing this. I think it kind of like helps me organize what's going on, right? I tell it all to you and it's kind of pulling from different places. I have different lists and different places on Basecamp where we do our project management and like in my to-do list. And then I say it all to you on here and I feel like I have a clearer picture of what's going on. So let's start with the test kitchen on Monday. My kitchen helper, the amazing and wonderful Jennifer, I adore her and I love when she is over. Jen, if you are listening, I am so grateful. Anyways, I guess you are getting a pre bit of knowledge about what we're doing on Monday. We're doing all videos this week. We're just focusing on videos. We're not focusing on recipe testing. There are a whole bunch of things on cook the story and the Cookful that are like great recipes that get a lot of visitors to them, but that don't have the video content. And I know that people love those videos and they're great to have on social media as well. So we are focusing on doing videos for things that don't have them. We are doing that very basic how to cook ground beef in a skillet. People love my method. You get this really nice caramelized ground beef. And people don't seem to do it that way. So we're doing that video. We're doing a video for chicken thighs stuffed with spinach and cream cheese. Such a popular recipe on the site. So delicious. We're also doing a video for my lemon broccoli. I've told you about this before. I know I have. This is the one that the first time I made it, my daughter said it tasted like broccoli fruit loops. And it's because there's lemon and a little bit of sugar in there. I've reduced the amount of sugar in the recipe. No fruit loops going on, but it's still like sweet and tangy. And I swear this recipe converts people to broccoli lovers if they're not already. We are also doing a video for a nacho dip And a technique that I have for removing pits from olives and cherries really quickly and easily, filming that. And finally, the air fryer bacon wrapped shrimp, those shrimp from frozen that I wrap in bacon and put in the air fryer, that is getting a video as well. So there's going to be tons of videos coming your way soon in the Cook the Story social media world and on the website. So you have that to look forward to. I'm excited to doing these with Jen on Monday. On the websites, I know I told you that we've been slowing down a little bit with the new recipe testing and really focusing more on going back to old recipes and fixing them up, testing them where necessary. So there's only one new recipe going up this week, and it is for shredded beef sandwiches. They are so amazing. They're like Italian beef with a gardeniera. A really, really wonderful recipe. You should definitely check that one out when it goes live. And then I've been fixing up a whole bunch of stuff, and it is showing up sort of in the new recipe sections of Cook the Story. There is an amazing Kalamata olive tepanade, a sun-dried tomato tapenade a recipe for a pasta dish that uses that sun-dried tomato mixture. So it's like a no-cook pasta sauce. That one is up on the site. And then I really dove into the farro recipes or farro, depending on how you pronounce it. On the site, we have a how to cook farro in the oven, on the stove, in the slow cooker, and in the Instant Pot. We have different recipes for each of those. And then we have some really tasty recipes that use farro. There's a farro special fried rice, a creamy farro spinach side dish and a beef and farro soup. So those have all been fixed up and explained better and any questions that we had in the comments have been addressed. So those are all looking great and are showing up at the top of the site. So you should definitely check those out on Cook the Story. You know what? I should just tell you here how to get to my newest recipes. There's a bunch of different ways, of course, on the site. But if you just want to like bookmark a page so you know you can get there and see what is new anytime on Cook the Story, you go to cookthestory.com slash recipes and those are all the new ones. Most popular recipes are at the top and then recent recipes scroll down from there. Before I sign off, I'm going to say that I will be back, of course, every single day this week with more recipe of the day. And I've got some really, really tasty things for you this week, starting off with tomorrow for Sunday, that veal ossobuco that I've been working on. It is finally done. It is up. It is delicious and amazing. And it is served with that classic garnish, the gremolata. You're going to love that recipe. Then Monday, we've got A mulligatawny soup. Start off the week with soup. I love that. Taco Tuesday has shrimp fajitas, not tacos, but fajitas. They're delicious and wonderful. And then those shredded beef sandwiches. Once that goes live on the site, you know I'm going to be talking about it on here. And then there will be more every day after that do not miss an episode. Make sure you are subscribed over at cookthestory.com slash ROTD or search for recipe of the day wherever you listen to podcasts. I am Christine Pittman from cookthestory.com, thecookful.com, the all new chicken cookbook and from this podcast recipe of the day. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Let's get cooking.